Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I'm sure you are excited for today's episode of Run This World with Koel Tomei, the founder of Nusa Yogurt. She is a complete rock star. First of all, I invited her to my home recording studio and she took me up on it. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you, Coel, for you know believing that I wouldn't be a serial killer and, and uh, try to do something crazy when you walked in the door, like hold you ransom for more Noosa. Um, she makes the most amazing product. We'll get there. So it's really cool. She walked in, and I my first thought was, God, she must be about 30 years old. She's freaking flying. And, and it turns out she's about my age and has followed a similar path with having kids about the same time. So when she left the interview, we decided that a play date would be our next, uh, our next meetup. Um, she is a true visionary. I know you're going to love this episode. I'm just going to let you go right into it. Let's bring her on. All right, I am very excited to be sitting here in my home recording studio <laughs> with the founder of Nusa. This you're going to hear all about amazing Nusa yogurt, Coel Tomei. Thanks G'day. for joining me. Good day. Thanks for having me. <gasps> Good day. I love it. I don't hear this much. Okay, the name of the company gives it away a little bit, but tell us where are you from? I grew up in uh, Cairns, North Queensland, uh, which is a sort of the most northern metropolis in Australia on the East Coast, and it's the gateway to the Great Barrier Reef. Ooh. So warm, tropical, kind of the complete opposite of, of living in Colorado. So why did you leave? It sounds amazing, like romantic. It does, it does <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I do not miss the tropics. I do not miss the humidity. Um, you know, like most Aussies, after I finished university, went on a walkabout. Uh, a lot of my friends went to the UK, but my mom is American, so I have dual citizenship. And uh, so I headed off to the US and, uh, you know, that walkabout just sort of kept getting longer and longer. And, you know, there were a few few boys involved sort of oh, through, oh, we like through that. the walkabout. And, uh, um, yeah, by the time I got to, to Colorado, it was sort of like, huh, I should probably figure out what I want to do with my life. So what is a walkabout? Uh, it's actually uh, an Aboriginal term, and um, it's um, sort of this, um, you know, I guess in sort of modern Australian terms, it's sort of this rite of passage, you know, when you finish university um, to go out and just sort of explore the world. And, you know, I think for most Aussies, you know, you're so far removed from, you know, the rest of the world that sort of like you just want to go and kind of figure out what's you know what the rest of the world really looks like and it is and I mean no it's sort of part of this Australian ethos like Australians just love to travel so is it like after so it's after college I mean some people do it as sort of a gap year okay from from high school before they go to uni to go out and explore it is it is young (laughs) um 
you know, I, I chose to, to do it after I graduated. Um, well, actually, I should, should back up. I actually took a year off sort of while I was at university um, and did live in Colorado that year. Ah, I yeah. see. So we're gaining a <laughs> momentum here. So um, what were you studying? I studied accounting, which was oh. <laughs> awful. Um, you know, I would turn up to class and sort of be sitting in these 400-plus lectures thinking, what am I doing here? And um, was pretty miserable, and that's why I ended up taking a year off. I was like, I just don't want to be doing this. And took a year off, got back and switched to marketing and graduated and then went traveling. You know, um, first of all, I do highly respect all accountants out there. <laughs> it is so now, now having a business, I'm like, oh, I wish I had actually finished my accounting degree. Oh, but. don't you? Um, and, and probably wish you had a law degree and a few other things <laughs> yes. too. But yes. um, I mean, that those are some big decisions to make when you're a young person mm-hmm. that, you know, the track you're on might not feel right. And you're going to maybe it's almost like probably like getting a divorce. It's like, Hey, I got to make a easy choice. Could be maybe sticking it out yeah. and staying with it. Yeah. But that's miserable too. So what gave you the grounding to be able to make those early decisions? Definitely my mom. Um, so my parents got divorced when I was nine. Mm. So she was a single mom from that sort of point forward. And, you know, she's just always been sort of that guiding light for me in the sense of, you know, being happy is first and foremost, um, irrespective of what you do. So, you know, thinking to that, that moment at university when I was so miserable and I mean, I persevered through, you know, I mean, I was on academic probation, like, so things got really bad. Um, so you can become successful after being on academic probation. Yes. Hope for us. But yeah, I sort of, I hit this wall of just being so unhappy and, um, I called my mom and I was like, I can't do this for one more day. I don't know what I want to do, but I just can't do this. And I think I want to go to the U S and take a year off and just work and go learn to raft on the Colorado river. And she's like, I will buy your plane ticket. Wow. Because she probably recognized how important it was to feed your spirit. Absolutely. I mean, she really wanted me to have that education, but she really recognized how miserable I was yeah. and that finishing it wasn't going to be the answer. Yep, I got it. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting here is you were pursuing like a life of adventure, but I didn't hear anything about food. And so it wasn't like you came over because you were like, I've got this idea and I want to blah, blah, blah and see what's going on in the American market. It had nothing to do with that. So the food part. So it was a little bit about food (laughs) for you. Has food always been like a passion of yours? And how did you eat when you were a kid? You know, it's always been a big part of my life. Um, You know, again, thinking about growing up in Cairns, it's this tourist town. So you've got a lot of international um, Mm. sort of diversity and, um, you know, it's interesting. I, like, I have an older brother who uh, was born in Canada. Uh, he's six years older. And my parents had him very young when they were 20 years old and then, you know, had me in another country and sort of a different sort of phase of their life. They were in their later 20s. And it's interesting. My brother grew up eating Heinz baby food, but then my mom's sort of perspective on food had shifted from living in a different culture and sort yep. of 
area where there was just access to so much like fresh food because you live in the tropics. Yes. And so I was raised completely different to my brother. Wow. Um, and to this day, like he's a terrible eater and I'm like very adventurous and will eat anything. Um, so it's so interesting how two kids raised by the same parent can have a very different relationship around food. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I just had so much access to amazing foods. There was um, a place called Brussie's Market and it's a, kind of like a farmer's market but a produce market um, with you know, every kind of, you know, tropical fruit that you can imagine. And and because of the environment, it was just year round. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was interesting, you know, once my parents got divorced and, you know, my mom being a single mom, she kind of really relied on me to to be more invested in in helping around the house. Mm -hmm. And part of that was I was like, well, I want to cook, you know, once a week. And she's like, great. So you do I'll drop you off at the market on Saturday and you get, you, you know, go do the shopping, you know, do the meal planning and, and sort of that sort of evolution of being really part of that process, um, just sparked a passion for just eating delicious food. Oh, I cannot wait till my kid says, I want to help you cook dinner instead (laughs) of just, I want pizza pockets, you know, like the demanding when it switches from demanding to inquisitiveness, you know, if that's a word. Yes, it is a word. Um, And I have a three-year-old and I mean, I definitely try and get her involved as much as I can. I mean, there's, there's moments where you're just like, I just want to get this meal made and yeah, be done on the table, (laughs) but it's, it's fun to, you know, have her sort of embark on her food food journey as well. So your walkabout landed you in Colorado where you'd already had some experiences previously and Mm -hmm. and something about it called to you. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I got to Colorado in 2000. I'd sort of been wandering around the American West. I'd lived in in Utah and Montana Mm. and uh, all, you know, beautiful outdoor sort of places and got to Colorado, uh, worked in uh, this IT company uh, in a cube, <laughs> and it was soul sucking. In in Colorado, you don't want to be in a cube. I don't think you want to be in a cube okay, anywhere. Well, at least me, at least me personally. Um, you know, I don't. I think I don't think it was really about the cube. It was about the job, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was just not that interesting. And it was, you know, sort of that inflection point of like, okay, wow, this walkabout really is not ending. Um, Looks like I'm, you know, committing to staying here. I should figure out what I want to do. And, um, you know, did a lot of soul searching. And, you know, Colorado is this amazing natural foods community. And just sort of thought about it and was like, huh, I've always loved shopping for food. I've always loved cooking. I love eating. I like, this is a passion point. And, this is where I should try and break into. And that was hard. It was really hard. So you had no background in food. I had no background in food. I mean, and my background in general looked pretty, pretty random. Spotty. Pretty spotty. Because <laughs> um, I, you know, I wasn't thinking about my career or, you know, anything like that. I was just exploring and, and doing all kinds of different things, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it took. And... So that was sort of hard to convince people, yeah, because I looked spotty on paper. Well, and but it speaks to the point that so many people want to chase, which is find your passion when you figure out what a 
passion you have, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it's hard for people even to identify passion, when you figure it out, turn it into a job. It just sounds so easy, right? <laughs> and But you literally did that with no experience. So how, like, take us on this process. I mean, once I sort of hit that point, I was probably, you know, two years into uh, the, the IT cube job. And I just, I was so determined. I was like, I have to get out of this. I mean, I'm so unhappy doing this. And I applied for every job that I thought that I was relatively qualified for. Again, I mean, I got, I didn't even get into interviews. I mean, so this was probably about a year of just constant applying for jobs. Mm-hmm. I interviewed, you know, for several. And then, then, I, then I was like sort of deemed because I was applying. I was like, I don't care what the position is. And I was sort of deemed almost too qualified for a lot of the things that oh, I was applying I see. for. Okay. And and then finally, you know, I got a break with this startup beverage company called Izzy. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very small and entrepreneurial. And um, actually, I interviewed with them twice. The first time was for an office manager position, and I was told I was overqualified. <laughs> and then uh, a few months later, through another connection through my book club, um, they're like, they're, they have an operations position opening. You should should reapply um so I did and that was that was the job that I landed and and sort of my break into the natural foods industry and I think you know what's really interesting I you know as I sort of talk to you know people that are graduating from college um I'm like if you are lucky enough to find your passion point at a young age don't be afraid to you know start from sort of the ground up Mm -hmm. and but take advantage if you find yourself in an environment that really is receptive to you, like learning all facets of the business is like seize that opportunity. And I, I recognized it and I really did seize that opportunity. So I was able to sit in on you know sales meetings and finance meetings and ask questions. And so that was sort of, for me, this really interesting grounding in just business in general, um, but specifically in the in the food industry. You know, I think there's a problem that we often have culturally where we're afraid to ask, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you took it upon yourself. And especially like, women. I yeah. think women more so than mm-hmm. men. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know many businesses that would even think to just have anyone regardless of position or even, you know, semi-qualified position just come sit in on meetings because they want to learn. Right. Um, But I would take that as the highest compliment in the world and look at those people as people who are sort of jack of all trades, but, you know, up and comers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Um, kudos to you for making that push. Yeah. But, you know, interesting, like that was sort of in my late twenties. So I was a little bit older, Mm -hmm. a little bit more determined. um, And I think sort of having Knowing how unhappy I was in the position that I was, I was really determined to be successful yeah. sort of out of the gates. So how did uh, Izzy turn into Noosa? Because, <laughs> by the way, Izzy was an amazing company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Incredible. And they, they brought so many new and skilled and curious and adventurous people into our workplace. So that that's phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, so it was, you know, during my Izzy tenure that I was home visiting my family on the Sunshine Coast. So my mom uh, relocated from my hometown to the Sunshine Coast, which is in Southeast Queensland. And, uh, as well, I was visiting her with my now husband, um, that 
I discovered this unbranded clear tub of what appeared to be yogurt in this little corner shop. I would just been at the beach with my husband and we're like, Oh, let's go grab a snack. And, um, you know, I think just because I was now in the food industry, I was always curious about, you know, new food products and, you know, being back in Australia, I was like, Oh, I should see what's sort of going on. And, um, yeah, discovered this tub and picked it up and discovered it was yogurt. Um, and it had a a pop of passion fruit puree, which is my all time favorite, Mm -hmm. um, a very traditional flavor in Australia, but very exotic here. And, so I grabbed it, bought it a few minutes later, was back at my mum's apartment and having my first taste. And it was revolutionary. I mean, <laughs> you know, like you, you just know when you taste things yes. that are just like stop you in your tracks. And it was one of those moments. Um, and I just started gushing to my husband and he's like, okay. And he's kind of used to me being a little overzealous about food and, um, <laughs> I was like, no, seriously, like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. Um, And then I'm, you know, later in the day recounting the story to my mom and she's like, well, you should just call the company. And I was like, okay, and tell them what, that their yogurt's delicious? And she's and, like, and it's unbranded. How'd you even know? Well, no, it, was, it was unbranded on the side. I, I got it, was, got it. Yeah, so it was a local family company. So I ended up calling and telling them they made delicious yogurt and had they ever thought about doing, you know, anything in the U.S. And they're like, no, we're so small. And I was like, okay, great. Well, I'd love to keep in touch. And got back to Colorado, you know, back at Izzy and just couldn't stop thinking about this yogurt. So I kind of embarked on my own uh, sort of research and like looking at what was going on in the category and packaging and all of these things. And, um, you know, fast forward two years, I was going back to Australia for another visit and my boss at Izzy said, will you please call that company back because you won't stop talking about the yogurt. <laughs> we're tired of hearing it's, about it. We're pretty tired of hearing about it. Um, so I give, I give him a lot of credit. His name's Drew, amazing boss. So uh, I actually had my mom call the second time and she was able to set up a meeting with this entire hmm yogurt family and we met again I didn't have any sort of formal plan I just said I think this is amazing I haven't been able to stop talking about it you know would you consider licensing the recipe um and they're like sure so from there wow got back to Colorado realized I had no dairy industry experience and how was I actually going to get this thing off the ground and you know, it's so interesting. Again, very organically, I was in a local coffee shop in Boulder and I saw a flyer for this family dairy up in northern Colorado. Um, and it sort of hit all all the things that I wanted from a, you know, a dairy partner or a dairy supplier, um, you know, fourth generation dairy, um, growing all their own feed, all natural, no growth hormones. It's like, I'm calling them. So cold, cold. And I said, I've got this great wow. idea. Would you, you know, would you be open to me coming up and at least talking to you? Um, and so I met with Farmer Rob, mm-hmm. who uh, is, is now my business partner. Farmer Rob. Farmer Rob. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he thought I was a little crazy, to be honest. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get you some samples of the yogurt. Once you try it, you'll be a believer. And he's like, okay. And when he tasted it, he had that same revolutionary taste moment. And he was like, 
okay, get what you're talking about. Let's mm-hmm. do this. And I think it's really interesting. I mean, we were complete strangers. Um, so there's a huge leap of faith going into business with somebody you don't know. And then, you know, we were very bullish. We built our own facility. I mean, so we were like making yeah. this big investment, you know, as complete strangers. Um, and it was just sort of full steam ahead. So what is it that, I mean, do, are you a big believer in listening to your gut or how, how was it when you met Rob? I mean, were you just like, all right, this is the guy we're doing this thing. I mean, they, they had an interesting story again from, you know, that family farm, but they were also um, doing home delivery in Northern Colorado. They were doing, um, selling their bottled milk to Whole Foods. So they had sort of this entrepreneurial flair as well. Mm-hmm. So I think there was sort of that sort of common point um, of just being entrepreneurial and, and sort of going for it. You know, it's not to say that there there haven't been rocky moments in the business and through that relationship, but um, fundamentally, you know, we're about making delicious yogurt, and that's always sort of been that common goal. And and especially as we launched early on, and you could sort of see the reception, it was sort of like, okay, we're onto something. There's magic. There's magic here. Let's let's keep going. Um, I think everyone can relate to eating something that they literally cannot forget. Yeah. And I mean, I could tell you a restaurant, you know, five years ago, exactly what I got there, Mm -hmm. if it was that special to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So I understand this, this concept that something is triggered in you and it will not go away and you have to act on it someday. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. So as a younger woman, Mm -hmm. you know, thirties getting into business, uh, what were your biggest challenges? Gosh, I mean, many, you know, I had sort of a combination of naysayers uh, to, you know, people that were like, what can we do to help you? Um, And, you know, thankfully, that was a lot of my sort of Izzy (laughs) alumni that were there to sort of support me and be my mentors and um, just be sounding boards as as we were getting this off the ground. Um, You know, I mean, I think there's it's looking at sort of the food industry in general it's very male dominated Mm -hmm. um and you know here I am as sort of first-time entrepreneur um I mean and I hadn't even been in the food industry from you know more than four years as I'm starting my own company um so I think there was you know certainly uh, a lack of just business knowledge as I was getting this thing off the ground to you know, really having to sort of battle the, the you know, the male dominance of, of the industry. and um, But I was just so, believe so firmly in the product and the uniqueness and, and the quality of it um, that I was able to sort of, sort of break through, filter that out and, and persevere. So how important was like a company culture and building a team to you from the beginning or were you and Rob just doing it all? I mean, we were pretty lean and mean. Um, mm-hmm. So from a company culture, it was just full steam ahead, um, all hands on deck. I mean, yeah. I think back to early days of, you know, our first cases going out the door to Whole Foods and um, and then sort of four months later, you know, we had this opportunity with King Supers, which was, you know, 100 stores um, and I mean, the beauty of us investing in our own manufacturing was that we were able to sort of ramp up, but then it was still like, oh my gosh, we need all these additional resources. So, you know, Farmer has a large family, so it would be like all his kids in the facility. Oh my. Like, 
boxing, <laughs> you know, hand taping boxes. So I think it was, you know, definitely just whatever it takes to get it done was sort of the, mm-hmm. you know, culture of where we were at in the in the early days. It's pretty exciting now, you know, sort of six and a half years later for people to be a little bit more specialized and to be able to think about, Mm -hmm. you know, people's development and, um, you know, how do we continue to, you know, support people on their, on their journey? Um, Because a lot of entrepreneurs, like a lot of startups, you just don't have the bandwidth to focus on that. No, you can't. And so the, the ones that are able to toe that line as you grow in stages, they're the ones that make it. Yeah. But in the end, you have to make a great product. Yeah. If you don't make a great product, you're pretty much done. There's a few exceptions where I think they've never made a great product, but they've been very successful. Yeah. But um, so I would say then, here's a question. If you knew all that business wherewithal that you mentioned, would you have actually started? <laughs> That's really interesting. Uh, you know, I look at people that, you know, have been, I guess, taken that more traditional path in, in food and like big food. And I think, you know, especially if you're younger and you're just, you're sort of on that career track mm-hmm. and career path. And then you sort of fall into the trappings of like the niceties of life and, mm-hmm. you know, having sort of a certain salary level. I think it does in some ways prohibit you. I mean, going bare bones mm-hmm. and not having any money. I mean, I was working two jobs for the first two years because yes. we weren't paying ourselves, but I still had to support my family. And, uh-huh. you know, we were, we wanted to not have to take outside investment. So I was willing to make that sacrifice. So you never took outside investment or in the early days? We did not. No. no way. No. Okay. So you had a big uh, transition event in your company not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe, and I would consider it a huge success story. I'd love for you to share how and why you made that decision. So as we were um, coming into 2014, um, the reality was is that we had actually created a real business. I mean, not that like we didn't think that in the first yeah. couple of years, but you know, you could sort of see this growth trajectory and it wasn't slowing down. And as you sort of become a real company, you know, especially in yoga, it's been such a growth category in general and so there's just so much focus um and especially from our our competitors they were starting to really pay attention to what we were doing um so we were starting to get you know really direct competitive threats um we were still you know flying by the seat of our pants and realistically we knew that we kind of had to get out of our own ways I mean as an entrepreneur I think a lot of people don't realize when to get out of their own way and we wanted to protect the time the money mm-hmm. everything that you know the the sweat the tears that we had invested in this baby um and by taking on an investment partner uh, it was a private equity group out mm-hmm. of Boston and by doing that it's actually for both Rob and I because we're both still investors in the company we're still actively involved but it's allowed us to really focus on what we're great at. So what are you great at? I am great at eating. <laughs> <laughs> you actually 
must work out a lot. And this is funny because you showed up and said, I just finished a workout, so I'm letting the, you know, letting it burn a little longer. Um, you don't look like you're great at eating. But uh, in, in other words, you look awesome. Thank but you. But I love, I, you know what? I think I'm also great at eating. We should hang out more. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you think about, you know, I discovered this yogurt. I I knew it was different. I knew it was unique. It wasn't like anything that I was eating mm-hmm. in the U.S. And, I mean, I traveled in the U.S. and um, had eaten a lot of yogurt, and it was pretty <laughs> ordinary. Um, so I like to think I've got a pretty good palate. And, you know, for me, what I'm most excited about is, you know, where, where can we take Noosa next? Yes. From, a, you know, a flavor development standpoint to how do we push – the boundaries in yogurt. So um, a lot of what I'm doing is helping, you know, with product development. And a lot of that's looking at trends and traveling and, you know, going to restaurants, going to farmer's markets and, and really ah. sort of delving into those little yes. nooks and crannies where, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of just put a, you know, pulse to it. And I think that is so cool when you can create a line item in your PL that is, eating exploration. <laughs> wow. And, but you know, you, you've earned that and you should be doing that because you guys led a wave, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole yogurt category is changing a lot and growing. There's all kinds of new competition out there all the time and all these alternatives, mm-hmm. milk alternative mm-hmm. yogurts and etc. And, uh, you have to stay an innovator, right? And Absolutely. there's pressure that comes with that, but responsibility too. So are you interested in expanding beyond even dairy? You know, I think that there's there's certainly opportunities, but I think really what has helped us from day one and, and even as we, you know, sort of where we're at today, taking a step back and really looking at the opportunities that are really going to deliver growth mm-hmm. to your business and not getting too far afield because I think – when you get too far afield, you get sort of distracted from what is really driving your business. That is so smart. And, um, you know, initially, yes. initially we could, we couldn't grow that fast because we were self-funded, self-manufactured. I mean, we were growing as fast as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really like limited us and made us focus on sort of this core of what we did best. Um, and that fundamentally has made us very successful. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's still a lot of great distribution opportunity for us, just getting, you know, more SKUs on the shelf with great retailers that we're in business with. So really understanding that and, and focusing on that without getting too far afield. Um, but never say is, never. Man, spoken like a very disciplined entrepreneur because I personally sh- suffer from like shiny object syndrome you know mm-hmm. what's that let's try that <laughs> and everyone's like no come back come back um okay so you had a kid part way through this yes she is three years old three wow yes. and I personally know what what it takes to be in the middle of the heat of you know running a business and in a growing category mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then getting pregnant and making that decision yes right and yes. so you kind of had to do it because you had a kid about the same time as me yeah so I was in my late 30s mm-hmm. and you know unfortunately the the biological 
Uh-huh. <laughs> was ticking, uh, and uh, it was sort of now or never. I mean, there's no good time to have a kid, but um, it really was sort of... Or it's all a good time to have a kid. <laughs> or it's all a good time to have a kid. <laughs> but yeah, it was sort of really um, a sort of a decision point. It was like, okay, this really isn't a great time because the business was really starting to, to ramp up, and I was heading up sales and marketing, so I was traveling a ton. Oh, yep. And um, my husband's like, we've got to do it. Let's get it done. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Uh, so he, he definitely nudged me over that that sort of hump of mm-hmm. fear. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I traveled a ton while I was pregnant. Mm. And then I started traveling again. You know, I didn't have a traditional maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have a lot of flexibility of working from home you know, with support at home, which was tremendous. Yep. But, I mean, I pumped for an entire year. I mean, not an entire year, but oh, like I, I oh, I did was too. able to give her breast milk for an yeah. entire year, yeah. uh, which meant a lot of pumping. In, in airport a, In airport bathrooms. Disgusting. Disgusting. In planes. <laughs> I mean, uh, in parking lots. But how cool. I mean, I could tell you a whole story about, yeah, pumping across the United States. But You um, need to write that book. Oh, my gosh. You know, I actually think that's uh, really a beautiful and cool thing. But And I also found it really interesting that anytime you'd go through security and they'd be like, what is this? And you're like, breast milk. They'd be like, send it through. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't harass the, you know, lactating woman. Um, but you do what you have to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so how did the experience change you? Like when you were pregnant, mm-hmm. did it already start changing you then? Or did it take popping out the baby to like make a change? I had a, I had a really easy pregnancy. Great. So, um, you know. Very felt very fortunate about that. Um, it really was once Matilda was here because mm-hmm. um, it's it is life changing. There's mm-hmm. no way of getting around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also I think I knew going into it that I wasn't going to have this traditional maternity leave. So I'd already sort of mentally geared myself, but you can't prepare for a sleep deprivation. You can't oh. prepare for like oh. the litany of just emotions and just different things that are going on um, in your world, but. I had amazing support from my husband, um, my mum and stepdad actually flew from Australia and they were my nannies for two and a half months. So to have wow, that great family support was was huge. I couldn't have done it without yes. them. And to just have that that time with family support to sort of get my bearings back. And has it um, changed the way you work or made you, I don't know, give you a different perspective? Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it really made me prioritize, better prioritize in my day what was really important Mm -hmm. Um, because there was just no way to get it all done. So really prioritize like what I absolutely had to get done in a day. And then, you know, just thinking about time with her because I was traveling a lot once she was, you know, sort of five months old traveling without her. I had to kind of give my permission, myself permission that, you know, it was okay um, that I, I'm a working mom and that when I was with her, just to be really present. And that's hard too because you really now hard. have to shut your brain off, whereas before maybe you didn't. Right. So, yeah, so things I had to let, like I said, sort of going back to that prioritization, 
in the day. Mm-hmm. So things, I had to let certain things slide, which is hard when you're sort of a perfectionist. Yes. What about like, what slid did, did you, uh, deprioritize <laughs> the word sleep or workouts or work, you know, or your husband, you know, what was the thing that you had to let go a little more of? I mean, a little bit, it was just stuff going on at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning to delegate, um, and yeah. just realized that, you know, maybe things weren't getting answered for a couple of days and that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of learning to yes. live through that. Um, you know, I think any family that has a newborn child, the marriage sort of, you know, has to kind of like <laughs> deprioritize a little bit. So, you know, thankfully we're in a really great space now, but yeah, it's hard being a new parent whether you work or not um and it's hard on on parents and and a marriage but as far as exercise no I've always made that a priority because it's to me it's it is what keeps me mentally happy so what do you do for your exercise Depends on the season. Um, that's what I love about living I, in Colorado. I love the seasons. And I love that there's are different different <laughs> sports. Um, you know, I've never been a professional athlete, um, which in some ways I, I feel thankful for because my body's still pretty intact. Where I see a lot of professional athletes who got some ailment or injury from just over abuse of their body. <laughs> uh, hello, I'm one of them. Um, don't judge. <laughs> no judgment, no judgment. Don't judge me. Um, you know, I, in the summer, I mean, mountain biking is, is cool. absolutely my favorite thing to do. I love swimming. I just sort of re sort of re engaging with swimming again. Um, cause it's something I always did in Australia growing up. Um, in the winter, I love to, I'm a snowboarder learning to ski, which is fun to kind of push yourself into a new sport. Skiing is hard. It's so hard. That's one thing I wish I had like grown up doing. I, you know, I, I agree. Maybe we should ski together. We should go skiing we together. <laughs> um, I'm seeing this thread of adventure though, through you, like in all you do, Yeah, which is very cool. And I love that approach to your fitness and that the core principle is I need it, but I'm not someone who has to do the same thing every day. Yeah. And in fact, that's what leads to injury anyway. Yeah. And burnout. So, okay. A couple more questions here. Um, actually one really cool thing. I recently interviewed Brooke from Bhakti. Love Brooke. Yes. She's fantastic. (laughs) And she told me something about the sleep issue. She said there was a study that said women lose, I think it was 350 hours of sleep the first year. Or maybe it was 700 hours of sleep the From first having year. children? Yeah, because you are just on the wake-up-three-times-a-night schedule for a while. And and that uh, I do believe that that may actually be true. And I'm still actually recovering from my sleep deprivation. Well, and I, I don't think people, everyone, I think, has this perception, like, once they're a year old, like, they oh. sleep through the night, and it's, you're back to your normal life. I mean... <laughs> Uh, my daughter has been having growing pains, which is really odd. So we're sort of having like these weird sporadic nights or she'll be having night terrors and Mm -hmm. wants to come and sleep with us. So it's, it's ongoing. It is. It is. But what's cool is Brooke did let out of the bag that she's doing a collaboration with you. Yeah. So here you are pairing with other women led businesses, which is really cool. It's so cool. And I mean, I've been such a fan and consumer of her chai. Oh, I mean, it's, it's like my afternoon go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Whether, you know, iced in the summer, hot in the in the fall. 
Um, so it's really fun. It's, you know, fun to be able to do that and, and do it on a larger platform too. I know it's so great. So, uh, would you start this business again, or would you even get into the food category again? If you were to start a new business from scratch tomorrow? Yes. Really? Yes. Cool. Yes, I would. You know, I had these grand ideas that I was going to go do my MBA and like I had gotten as far as getting all my transcripts from Australia, like put into the American format. And I don't know, something kept holding me back. I don't know, you know, I don't know what it was, maybe lack of motivation, but to have experienced what I have, I mean, and again, a lot of it has been really hard, but I don't think that an MBA could have taught me one eighth of what I've learned from, you know, having the fortitude to start my own business. Mm -hmm. And now you've learned so much, so much, both professionally and personally. Um, So yes, I might Um, do a few things differently, but (laughs) so what's coming next in the, in the world of uh, Noosa? Uh, We're really excited um, to be launching a full sweet heat line whoa yeah so we tested uh this concept uh earlier this year just just in colorado um with our blackberry serrano um, oh so a little sweet a little spicy and um it's sort of an interesting way to kind of start to dip our toes into sort of this idea of savory and spice and how that can come to life in yogurt and we got such great feedback we're like, okay, let's let's create a family of sweet and spicy. Oh, it's um, so smart. So Sweet Heat is launching. So there's Ooh. four flavors. Uh, there's a pineapple jalapeno, a mango sweet chili, and a raspberry habanero. Okay, we may have to do some kind of giveaway <laughs> when this launches because I think everybody's uh, taste buds just started watering. Um, this is really cool. Do you eat the product still? I do. Every day? Not every day. Um, I mean, it ebbs and flows. My daughter eats it every day. Mm -hmm. Um, Passion fruit is still my favorite flavor. Great. Yeah. Um, But I'm very excited for the bhakti chai, Noosa. That's good. That'll be, it'll be. Does it have caffeine? I mean, it'll have a little bit just because it does have a tea concentrate. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But we're, you know, again, sort of um, exploring, you know, different sort of indulgent flavors. We're doing a Mexican chocolate. Oh, my gosh. So I'm pretty excited about that, too. Um, This is just amazing. You are just on the forefront. You get This is so fun. Thank you. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Well, I want to keep talking, but we have run (laughs) over our 5K already. And I, I like to end every podcast with one piece of advice that you would give our listeners so to help them run their world in mm-hmm. a little bigger and better way than mm-hmm. they did before. So if there's one thing that really resonates with you over all the years, what would that be? Um, I think always being true to yourself. Um, and from a business perspective, you know, true to your consumers. And I think that comes back to why did you start doing what you're doing in the first place? And don't get too far away from that. Oh, that is so perfect. And that can be used not only in business, but in marriage, Mm -hmm. in athletic pursuits, in anything. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I cannot wait to get out to the grocery store and (laughs) buy me some more Noosa. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for coming on. This is great. All right. 
All right, all right. Now that your uh, taste buds are going crazy over there, just dying to get a hold of that sweet heat or that bhakti chai collaboration, how cool is that? Um, I wanted to let you know and remind you to head over to NicoleDeBoom.com and we are definitely doing some kind of giveaway of Noosa product. So check it out. You will want to win this one. It will change your life. (laughs) Um, I'm so proud of Coel and what she is building continues to build. Even after bringing on a big investment partner, she's still such a big part of her company because she loves it. And what's really fun to watch is how these founders and people who are true visionaries build a business. And at a certain point, they can back up and go back to doing the parts of the business that they're really good at and that they really love the things that got those businesses off the ground to begin with. So I look forward to hearing Coel's next uh, flavor epiphanies and I encourage you to follow along on the ride. All right, everyone, you know what time it is. It's time to run this world. So get out there, have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.